You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last seven to ten days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumors, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically... Anything else that catches our eye, this is the Essential Apple Podcast. Well, blimey, it's been a while since I've been pressing record at my end. We're back again, and this time we're recording on a Saturday with good reason, because we have a special guest. Oh, what a week. Um, apologies from the outset that if you hear the sound of thudding in the background right before the show, just uh, sorry, right before we started recording the show, my chair decided to give up the ghost. So if I lean backwards, there's a very comical effect of my legs being splayed akimbo as I go hurtling into the ground. So joining us this week, as always, is Simon, who's the editor of EssentialApple.com. How are you doing this week, Simon? Uh, yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I've got a new beta and Apple have added a lovely new text approval process, which doesn't seem to work properly yet, is it? Giving me a lot of grief. But other than that, I'm fine. Thank you. It wouldn't be a week unless there was some sort of problem going on. And we have, well, it's your guest. So you've booked him. Do you want to introduce him? Uh, yes. This week we have with us Peter Emery from uh, the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And he is a committee member on his local mug. Uh, a collector of old Macintoshes, uh, a genuine Macintosh lover, I think. And uh, as a hobby, he occasionally builds things out of old Macintoshes, which I think would be quite interesting. And I'm sure he will tell us all about it. So, hello, Peter. Good evening. G'day, as they say over there. Indeed. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight in with the cliches, getting them all over and done with. How, so how are things over on the Antipodean side of the planet? I thought that's where you were. Are we the Antipodean? <laughs> oh, uh, I've, I've, I've got to him. <laughs> uh, I, I've got to confess. Um, we had a Simon started up a Slack channel last night called Fr- uh, Friday Night um, Ramblings or Sessions. Uh, I, I've got to admit, I, I'm a little bit still worse for wear. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> it, it turned out I consumed way more alcoholic beverages than I realised as I got up this morning and waded through the the huge amount of cans. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. We always like to start off asking, so you've, you obviously you're in the world of Apple, what is your oldest and newest bit of Mac kit that's still in use today? Well, the oldest bit of Mac kit that's still in use would probably be the... Uh, 500 megahertz G3 Pismo PowerBook that was given to me. It doesn't boot up from its internal drive, but I've found it'll boot up from a Firewire drive. So I've stuck um, Tiger onto a 32-gig compact flash card, and that um, boots perfectly fine via a Firewire compact flash card reader. And so what's... What sort of stuff are you using that the that equipment for? I mean, because it's always good to hear about you know the old to kit play that... to play with because it's um, one of the ones that's got a beautiful keyboard. It's the old style keyboard with the treble and the, uh, and the nice stuff. Yeah, yeah, and oh, Apple, I mean, what is it? I've got in front of me? I'm just looking around at my kit. I've got the late twenty. Yeah, you made a comment. Of, uh, that's that's a good point. I can ask you that question in the chat room. You're asking uh, what bit of kit I had, and I said I've got the iMac. Sorry, the Mac. 
uh, Mac Mini tw- late 2012, and you said that was last of one of the good ones. What makes the last one? That was the last one you could actually get into and update things. You got 16 gig of RAM, and you could put in fusion drives and solid state drives and fun stuff like that. Although, if, if it's the server, it's already got both drive spaces used. Yep, it's got two uh, one terabyte drives in there, I think. And you could update it to a um, 2.8 gig Core i7, I believe. I did not know that. Ah, the old girl might have a bit of a bit of life in there. Were you ever a fan of the new Mac? Uh, that was it, the Mac Pro, the old cylinder thing. Uh, it was always out of my price range. In any case, I was uh, managing perfectly fine with um, a 2011 15-inch MacBook Pro. And died about two two months ago. And so, in the, that's your daily driver now, was it the the MacBook? It was. My daily driver is actually the newest one in my fleet. Is a 2017 21-inch um, 4K iMac. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Although, of course. Of course, unfortunately, that's the one where you have to uh, choose all your RAM up front, isn't it? Because uh, the no, only other way no. to get into it is to... Is it oh, not? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that is correct, but um, it can take... Um, it's got 16 gig and it can take 32, apparently. And yeah, uh, the, the processor, processor is also upgradable, they tell me. Yeah, but to do that, you've got to get in through the screen, which is glued on, haven't you? Take it to the nearest Apple shop. There's one ten miles away. Yeah, yeah. If, well, uh, you're, you're quite lucky then. Yeah, your your nearest Apple store is probably considerably closer my, than mine. Then, um, but, I've I've only uh, taken apart an I Apple have... once, and that was scary enough to prise that screen off. I uh, I'm getting a new Mac at work. They've they've finally signed my chit for a new uh, desktop Mac at work, and. With a bit of arm twisting, I got them to spring for the 27-inch 5K. Um, uh-huh. Nice. They they sort of were angling for the 21-inch because they said it was cheaper, but I pointed out to them that for the extra money that they would have to pay to get a 27-inch, they would get the ability to put their own RAM in it. And so we... And a lot of it. Yes, the, the extra that we paid out to go, you know, to opt for a 27-inch was uh, recouped by buying the RAM from Crucial because you can fit it via the little door in the back. So uh, Exactly. There we go. So I'm waiting now, for that. I'm, I'm just looking at my uh, list of um, Macs and stuff like that. Um, uh, I mentioned the oldest one that I still use, but I do have a couple of older things. Like there's an SEFDHD. Ooh. Floppy disk high definition. Yes, um, I remember that one. That one boots only from an external SCSI 20 meg hard drive. Yep. Uh, <laughs> probably a zero footprint one, as they used to call it. The one that's the same size as the base of the SE itself. Yes. Yes. That's, that is. Yes. Uh, the size that SideQuest drives were made so that they could be stacked underneath your compact. Hmm. Yes, uh, my friend had a, an SE uh, FDHD. Um, I had an SE Prodigy, which was in fact an uh, an SE upgraded with a card to the 030. 
So it was in effect an SE turned into an SE30. And uh-huh. I had that for uh-huh. many, many years. It's it's only it's only drawback that it was limited to two meg of RAM. Mm. And that was one that I did have that I got from a graphics designer was a uh, blue and white uh, G3 tower that had been oh, upgraded yes. to a um, 450 megahertz G4, and oh. that had two gig of RAM in it, and I stuck in some extra um, USB 2 ports in it and stuff like that. And the thing had a because um, it came from a graphics designer. It had a video card that was uh, probably better than the one I've got in my G5 Power Mac, <laughs> which is yeah. the last of the G5s. Yep. <laughs> uh, the G5s, I did uh, – in fact, we still have a G5 at work, uh, serving as a uh, – room heater. Back end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it's, yeah, it's used for a few uh, tasks. I mean, uh, we've talked about this before on here, and at work we have – got some really quite old kit most of which is used for running other old pieces of kit so mm. um we have i can't remember well exactly a, a dentist we friend have... of mine has all his um payroll stuff on a uh, a g4 imac in um apple works oh. yes <laughs> um i, I He's... actually bizarrely talking of apple works i saw a list online one of these 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 programs may not work properly with High Sierra. Uh, I have to say I took issue with it because the, one of the things it said it wasn't working was Audio Hijack, which most blatantly does work because I've been using Audio Hijack on High Sierra since the first beta. Um, <laughs> they also mentioned Apple Works. Like uh, I don't know where you think Apple Works has been running for the last few years, but that died several systems back. I forget when. I haven't Apple tried that. I mean... No, Apple Works oh. stopped working long ago because. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I um, I used to I used to use Apple Works probably two thousand nine or so. Yeah, two thousand ten. Uh, I was a big user of Claris Works when it uh, before mm-hmm. it became Apple Works. As far as um, I can figure, it was Apple Works. Then it was Claris Works. Then it was Apple Works again. But Apple Works like six, that. I think, was the last one that was there. So, I mean, what do you do with all this old equipment? Do you just collect it or do you repair it? I collect it. I collect it and I make sure it's working. And if it doesn't work, I take it to a friend who's got a shed full of stuff and it goes into his stuff collection. I only keep stuff that works. I will have a word with you after the show because I'm looking at my 2009 iMac, which I'm pretty sure the network port is fried. So I have to use one of the, was it a Firewire to Ethernet dongle, which reminds me, where the heck is that cable? Still, I, I, I must go and look that out. Uh, right, well, I mean, what, I, I mean, do you have any? Do you have anything uh, like the iPads or the Apple Watch, or do you just sort of mainly I, stick with the? I don't, I don't go for the Apple Watch as such. I do have a um, 64 gig um, iPhone SE. I have a 128 gig um, sixth generation iPod Touch, and which is about a year old now, and a um, 2017 um, standard Wi-Fi cellular, iP- cellular I- iPad, well, also 128 gig. That's a that's a sw- that's a sweet machine. And I also have an ex Apple executive. Uh, 2014 uh, 11-inch um, MacBook Air. And being an ex-Apple executive machine, that means it's been fully specced. 
There's a reseller. There's a reseller that's in about 60 k's away, who uh, kilometres away, who um, every year around about this time gets two-year-old 11-inch MacBook Airs from Apple up in Sydney and uh, flogs them off at a reasonable price. So this one's got the 1.7 gig um, Core i7 in it, 8 gig of RAM and a 512 gig SSD. So it's still extremely relevant, that one. I should think so. Many, many years worth of use in that, I should think. Well, yes, my MacBook Pro that died, that um, that was killed by the solder. It was the first of the tin-free solder Macs, and they yeah. didn't get it right. And the motherboard to video card interface um, separates eventually, but it took six and a half years to do it. Well, I was actually well, contemplating... Um, I was contemplating extending RAM from 12 gig to 16 gig, and then it died. I said, well, that's that That's that answered. <laughs> yeah, that's that problem <laughs> solved, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, hmm. six years isn't too bad. I mean, um, unfortunate when they down at, my mother, down at my mother's place, another 40-odd kilometres away, um, I keep a 2008 uh, 15-inch MacBook Pro, the one with the proper keyboard. Right. And um, that one I've upgraded to. Apple says four gig of RAM, but I found six gig of, of um, OWC will go in it. Yeah. And yep. work. Um, it, and I have a 240 gig SSD in that as well to make him sit up and take notice. He, he's yep. quite a nice machine. I mean, my my uh, my personal machine is the non-Retina MacBook Pro 2012. 12. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, MacBook yeah, Pro 13-inch, like mid-2012. Uh, mm-hmm. When I got this, I think the Retina had just come out. So um, the truth was, was I could get the Retina. Well, they continued to sell them side by side for a while. Um, That's true. There's an entry-level model. No, I opted to get the non-Retina uh, so that I could have a DVD drive and, and whatnot. Mm. Um, yeah, and fair it's, enough. It's going. It's going very very well it served me well i think i'm contemplating now taking out the dvd drive and putting an ssd in there so that i can retain mm-hmm. my last oh, um, drive about the 2008 macbook pro that i mentioned to get the yes. ssd out there's 27 screws involved oh <laughs> and i lost two of them it's somewhere in the carpet pile but um, yeah. I found that the screws that hold together a two-and-a-half-inch hard drive are the same thread and the same length. <laughs> but even so, I mean, yeah, you've got, you've, that, that's a sign of being pretty committed. Uh, I keep looking at my MacBook Pro 2009, I think it is. Um, it won't take uh, Sierra or High Sierra, but it's just such a so nice... Look- yeah. Uh, and it's such a nice little machine, but it's the thing of the keyboards bust on the left-hand side, so the command doesn't work. The uh, oh, does it work um, on the left-hand let me side? Let tell you a tale. You can take the standard Apple um, Bluetooth keyboard and stick it on top of that, and the little rubber feet on the bottom of it clear the keys of the built-in keyboard, and it doesn't stick up above the bottom of the screen either. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. 
I might give it. <laughs> it's it's just I mean it's old now, but I've stuck an SSD in it and I turn, oh, I powered it on, <laughs> powered it on, and it's just it's just one of those things like I re- oh yeah, it it works really really well. Um, so it's like yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Our Mac user group has just disposed of a a um, 13 inch 2009 MacBook Pro that I used to own. They bought it from me, and uh, they gave it back to me briefly to say, "Here, fix this up and uh, do the best you can with it." And I said, no, "Can I upgrade the guts?" And they said, "No, just do it to a budget. We'll sell it for whatever." And um, so I just uh, I when I had owned it, I'd taken out the 160 gig hard drive and replaced it with a 320 gig uh, 7200 RPM one. So that made it run a deal faster, and I. Um, Partitioned that so that it could retain the uh, Snow Leopard, but also run El Capitan. And, um, yeah, that's sweet. But um, I decided to just drop it back to Mavericks on the larger partition because with only four gig of RAM, it um, gets a bit tricky with the other ones. And the fellow who bought it was uh, happy to pay 350 for it. Well, yeah, it, it's just a testament to how long Apple Kit does last i mean i've got a uh, was it a 2014 windows laptop and i make it always make the joke in the slack chat room that i've just turned on my windows pc how many days will it take for it to boot up um and it just (laughs) takes forever it's 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 just unusable it really really is did you hear the one about the two yuppies who just arrived at the um at at the office one of them's got a big cheesy grin on his face his friend says what are you grinning at? Oh, I've got this fabulous new laptop. He said, oh, yeah, what's so good about it, mate? He says, this one is so fast that it's crashed three times before yours has even booted up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just lost us the Windows listenership. But it's true. Oh, Windows 10. No, no. I never said Windows. No. Said, oh, no. I said laptop. <laughs> Check it out. Poli- uh, politically correct, Aussie. Blimey. Who would have thought we'd see the yeah. day? Um, right. Yeah, so. let's um well before we go in yeah, let's do some Apple news. Um one story that I've got before we go into everything is many years ago this podcast started out as a show of no more than five minutes in length using a popular app called Opinion. And Opinion was a way that anyone could start podcasting I just believe I have that one on my thingies. Well, if you have there's bad news because I got an email the other day and I'm just going to read it out. Dear Opinion Podcaster, we've been forced to shut down the podcast hosting to avoid losing your data. You will need to download your audio files or move your podcast before November the 1st. We're stunned to see how well our podcasting app has been received around the globe. Since our launch in November 2014, there are now well beyond 100,000 people using our service. From earlier from early on, we decided to allow free hosting for all our users. That's because we wanted to be easy and free to share spoken stories. However, the amount of content on our servers is now measured in years rather than hours or weeks, and the cost followed suit. We have a small and humble revenue stream from in-app purchases, but the costs are rising and soaring well beyond that. The numbers don't add up, and we're forced to do something about it. Opinion is shutting down in 30 days. After many long discussions, we decided to wind down our online podcast sharing platform, but the Opinion app will remain exactly as is. That means you can keep using Opinion for recording and editing, but the online sharing has to be done on any of the numerous podcast services available online. Your content will be available for a month. 
As to why we can't keep it as a paid service, many of you have asked us, and it's a reasonable question. However, as a paid service for pro users, and i.e. making it into a subscription service, the calculations show that the number of pro users are just too low to keep the service going. So yeah, sad times. Uh, I've got a very big, um, big soft spot for opinion because that's where I started the rampant mumblings. So, if you're out there and you're uh, you're using opinion, you've been served notice. Um, so yeah. Well, I only have use as, as the as a voice recorder app on the iPad since it doesn't come with one. Um, you can use music memos though, even though I do find that to be a bit kludgy um, to work around. Um, and I'm hope well, because we shifted over to Pinecast, which is a brilliant little cheap based uh, podcast hosting platform. But I'm sort of wondering, is it going to go the same way? Because yeah, we're paying next to nothing for our podcast hosting. Admittedly, the the lightnings, the downloads aren't lightning fast, but I think they you know they're good enough. So yeah, mm-hmm. consider that a public service notice. We're almost being helpful, right? What what Apple stuff have we got? So yeah, almost helpful. Uh, well, we were just talking about ripping apart Macs and everything like that, and iFixit have done their legendary teardown. That shows that you really don't want to be clacking, cracking the glass back on the iPhone X. Have you guys taken a look at this one? Uh, I have not. Yeah, I, I had a glance at it. Um, it's not really a huge surprise, Mark. Uh, Apple said that the glass back on the eight, uh, which obviously covers the the Qi charging coil, um, is effectively it's reinforced with uh, a metal plate. And as far as I can figure out, I didn't bother to read the extreme detail of the teardown, but basically that glass is reinforced. It's attached to a a metal plate. And as far as I can tell, effectively, the glass is floated on epoxy resin in which the uh, inductive coil sits. And then that, that attaches to this metal plate. And iFixit basically said that when it comes to if you have to try and separate the glass um, from the metal plate, then the chances are the metal plate will not survive it. Uh, is this a big surprise? Not really. Um <laughs> I think you'll find Apple have quoted that if you do break the the back of your iPhone eight, that the best the best option is to replace the whole piece. So that's the the glass, the metal plate, and and the inductive charging coil, and that will actually cost you more money than replacing the screen on the front. So yeah, do be careful. Mm. Uh, not a huge surprise, I have to say. And that's, I guess, it's the kind of the price you pay, isn't it? If you want to use glass or ceramic so that you can have inductive charging, that stuff's brittle. You know, it doesn't like being struck mm. suddenly by concrete. Well, not many screens do. I mean, I'm then again, I'm still bitter about the fact that I took my phone in to get it repla- uh, repaired from a dodgy high street shop, and I've got now I've got a a wonky button that makes a massive, great big clacking sound. I mean, listen to it. Let's see if we can hear. Can you hear this? Probably not. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, that'll be the noise gate filter. Uh, it's in a quiet office. It's like it's obvious that you're mucking around on your phone. Uh, and the fact that the camera's bust because it looks like it's got a bit of film over it. Uh, but oh, the, I still haven't watched the end of the keynote yet, so I actually don't know all the specs about the new iPhone 8. Uh, I, I might do that this afternoon when I'm on the sofa uh, well, recovering. As I said, uh, my wife has now got the iPhone 8, regular size. It's it's very nice. Uh, 
maybe to a casual user, you wouldn't see a huge amount of difference. Uh, it's got the, you know, the non-real uh, button, the same as the 7. It looks much the same as 7 other than the colours and the fact that it's obviously got a glass back. Uh, all the real power in the, in the 8 is in the bionic chip, as we discussed last week. That is that is where all of its, you know, its superpowers are hidden. Well, yeah. uh, what's the actual? Uh, I take it we've got one of these stories like, oh, the latest iPhone is is irreparable, irreparable, unrepairable. What's that? Irreparable. The, the, the no, Irre- the, the the irreparable. The iPhone eight, I believe, scored a repairability of four. Four. four Blimey, which is. Uh, from you know, not bad, not great, but it's not bad. Uh, a bit of the essential. Yes, the uh, well, Andy Rubin's essential phone, I believe, got a repairability score of one. So uh, <laughs> it always makes me laugh because, like, yeah, okay, so you could repair the iPhone yourself. Okay, so the uh, iPhone eight is a six on the fi- on the fixed it ranking. Oh, six! Blimey! Six. Get, Galaxy Note eight is four. The essential oh, phone is yeah. one. Yeah, the essential phone got one. Um, I can't remember one of. I, I, I seem one. I seem to remember one year one of the iPhones scored one or zero or something, or maybe it was one of the iPads. But actually, six is quite, you know, quite high for them. But yeah, I mean they that that's that's amazing. Considering uh, they bent the back of it. Well, yeah. After they deliberately smashed the glass on the back, they then attempted to take it apart. Said that. Yeah, the metal, the metal, the metal reinforcing sheet didn't survive the operation. But uh, but it's 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 always the case with these things. Pardon the pun. Is that even if they has got repairability rating, where are you going to get the parts from? It's like oh, it's a complete outrage. I can't replace the processor in a phone, or where are you going to get the parts from? It's, you know, exactly. it's, it's like cars have exactly. a repairability re- repairability <laughs> rating, but you still get gouged for the price of the parts. Well, of course, what these people uh, tend to forget is that, you know, Joe Bloggs, like you and me and Pete, we don't live in Shenzhen and we don't have and or have contact in Shenzhen who can just nip down to the local uh, market and buy a load of uh, fell out the back of the truck on the way to the factory (laughs) part. Uh, I'm told if you go to uh, these sort of street markets in Shenzhen and uh, other parts of that area, the Orient, Far East, that there are markets where you can buy pretty much all the parts you need to make your own iPhone. Well, there was that there was that chap who who did exactly that, wasn't it? Yeah, Um, probably in the end not worth the bother, but that's what I'm saying. If you're in Shenzhen, you probably can go and buy a new processor or any other part that you want. But then again, of course, even even if you can, you've got to be able to do soldering on those ultra microscopic. Bits and pieces. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd rather just buy. I'll just give mine to somebody who knows what they're doing. Thanks yeah. very much. Uh, right, what else have we got here? Uh, this is one's probably more up your street uh, than mine, um, Simon. It's the keychain ch- stealer is real, but it's not as bad as it might seem. Uh, a particularly insidious Mac security threat was revealed just as Mac OS High Sierra was released on Monday to avoid. Sorry. 
prompting warnings to avoid Apple's new operating system. The security flaw called Keychain Stealer could expose your keychain passwords, but it isn't limited to IC error and it isn't a reason to not upgrade. What's all this about then, Simon? Uh, okay, well, uh, a security researcher called Patrick Wardle uh, demonstrated a flaw uh, showing how an attacker can uh, get access to the keychain. However, um, as you just said, it, there were some dire warnings thrown about as per you, saying, oh, don't hmm. upgrade the High Sierra because this is, you know, it's going to expose all your keychains and whatnot. That's not true. There is a flaw. It can be exploited. It also applies to Sierra and possibly earlier uh, Mac OS systems. Uh, but you do have to uh, install an unsigned, unapproved app, which will then dump the content of your keychain into a text mm. file. Uh, well, you know, there are not that many Mac users who go around, site, you know, installing unsigned, unapproved apps. There are people like me and possibly Peter and even you. Uh, Mark, who, who occasionally also installed... says in the article, if your keychain password is different from your Mac login password, the hack doesn't work. That is also true. So if you are in the habit of installing unsigned apps for whatever reason, you're like me, they are sometimes specialist pieces of kit that, you know, from small developers who cannot afford or are not uh, interested in getting you know, registered uh, signing with Apple, or some of them, of course, are things which cannot, will not be signed or approved by Apple. So uh, you're pretty much having to go to a hell of a lot of hassle to be able to get a keychain stealer on your Mac. It's basically saying, well, I'll tell you what, here's the keys for the front door, and I'll tell you what, just in case you have problems getting in through the front door, I've left the back door unlocked and all the windows unlocked. In fact, you know what, I'll, I'll even help you take the data as well, or take the stuff out of your house. In fact, if you've got a van, mm. can I load the van up for you as well? The dog's tied, tied up and muzzled. <laughs> um. I mean, what is it? Apple, Apple have said the Mac OS is designed to be secure by default and the gatekeeper warns users against installing unsigned apps, uh, such as the one shown in this proof of concept, and it prevents them from launching the app without explicit approval. We encourage users to download software only from trusted sources and pay careful attention to security dialogue. Uh, well, yes, if you're in the habit of using unsigned apps for whatever reason, probably best if your keychain password is different from your login password. Most other people, I don't think, really need to worry too much. And Apple have been made aware of this, and it's pretty likely that they will issue a patch. Yeah, basically, if you aren't sure, and it's asking you to circumvent the very stuff designed to keep you safe, uh, then, yeah, you, you, you pretty much just need your head examined. Although... Um, and. You know, to be honest, if somebody has got access to your Mac such that they can install an unsigned app, you know, if somebody's got physical access to your Mac who shouldn't have, you've got bigger problems than worrying about them stealing, you know, installing an unsigned app. Put it that way. I mean, all bets are off. Once somebody's got their hands on your Mac, all bets are off. Um, so, Peter, have you had, I mean... Sorry, I was just going to ask yeah. Peter, um, with all the, the Macs and stuff that you've come across, I mean, have you had to deal with many viruses or anything like that with the amount of equipment that passes your way? Very rarely, although I did once find a virus on System 9. Yeah. System 9, yeah. blimey. Yes. 
Blimey, if, if you've got to stretch back that far, blooming heck. Well, viruses, of course, the, the term viruses, most things aren't actually viruses and never were, but mm. there are there are Trojans, there are no... Well, this thing was detected as a virus. On yes. a oh, yes, there, were, there, cert- there certainly were viruses back in the, in the classic in the classic era mm. but malware is still not really massive on the mac os of course there are always people out there trying to build trojans and key loggers and all mm. sorts of things and you do need to be careful but uh as jeff gamut says here the only real reason to wait uh to install mac os high sierra is because either you have critical apps which you need and are not yet compatible, or if you're in the middle of a work project, that I totally agree with. Uh, and um, in, in our case, speaking like of apps, work, yeah, um, I mean, at work, there's, we been, talk in, about, there's been talk about um, certain versions of um, Office being not supported or not working or whatever under High Sierra. Um, uh, there, Office there 2008 are... works for me. Right. Okay. That's interesting because it probably works, but um, it works, but supported is probably the the other thing. Ah, well, that's another thing. Won't be supported. It's not supported. Won't Um, be supported. Not even by Microsoft. No, we. I think we talked about this a little while ago, Mark. If you remember, Uh, there was some talk about the Office 2016 not being High Sierra ready, and Microsoft basically said that. 2016 would be High Sierra ready by the time High Sierra went live, which it which it was and is. Uh, Office 2013, they say, is probably will work, but you know, it's not our fault if it doesn't. And anything prior to that, well, you're on your own. And mm. well, fair enough. It, I don't use it, it much anyway these days. No, I've I've just cancelled my Office 365 subscription because I I barely use it and I'm pages I don't know but I just can't get to grips with pages as much as I'd like to it just I suppose after many years it just feels like there's a bit of a disconnect. Um, well, I, my mm. my recommendation for most people, not everybody, but if you do not actually have to use Microsoft Office, uh, I have found. Yeah, don't I have found that. Uh, on the Mac OS, maybe not so much on on the Windows side, but on the Mac OS, your best bet if you do not have to use Office is LibreOffice. I find that LibreOffice yes. will handle Microsoft Office files, particularly from Windows. It sometimes will render a Microsoft Office file better than the Microsoft Office uh, equivalent mm. for Mac. Uh, I so, have um, LibreOffice vanilla from the Mac App Store on mine. Yeah, I run the, I tend to run the, I don't know, what's it called, Fresh or Sparkling or something. Whatever the latest one is anyway, it's 541 or something. But anyway, LibreOffice costs you nothing unless you want to chuck them a few pennies. And for most people, I think it is a an excellent solution. And it will I also in- acquired, as part of a, um, a software package, name your own price, as long as it was above $12 or something, um, Acquired a license for um, Nicest Writer. Oh, right, yes. I've never used that, but I've, I know a lot of writers, a lot of people really it rave about that. Basically renders everything into RTF. Yeah, well, and why not? <laughs> why not indeed? indeed. Uh, 
obviously writing apps are uh, absolutely ten a penny. There's if a, a you big... only need to view a you know office document, it can be done in preview. It can indeed. Can indeed. Uh, or text edit in some cases. Yes, pre- preview is actually a very, very powerful app and much under. There's a person in our Mac user group who edits our um, magazine and has been doing it since 1993. Uh, the group's been going for about four, oh, 37, 38 years or something like that. And uh, she also uses iBooks Author to oh, yes. do little. Um, instruction books on how to use pages and um the iWork suite and all that jazz so yep. we have um a, a, therefore we have access to a good range of um stuff that she's put out over the last few years oh that's that's excellent, that's excellent. um she is a probably mensa level intelligence Okay. Do you? Uh... Well, if you've got the link, <laughs> if you've got the links to it, send it across because I'm always interested in uh in, in looking like oh, looking yeah, stuff like that. So yeah, send the link to it. Um. Oh, look, I could get it to you later, probably. I'll, I'll well, that'd be fine. I'll just have to see whether I have to log into the website to get that or not. I've got a feeling it might be a login member only thing. Well, if if it's a members only thing, you could uh, if you could ask her politely if she might let us have a have a link to, uh, you know, somewhere that Mm -hmm. our listeners might be able to download it. I'm sure they'd be very grateful. Well, normally at this point, we'd have Nemo's hardware store, but he's off this week. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to crack on with the show, I think. Uh, right, uh, the second half of the show, we're probably going to go for about another 20, 25 minutes for those of you who are wondering how long this nonsense is going to last for, then you've got a pretty good idea. Um, during the break, um, oh, no, let me do the, the standard thing. Of, of course, a huge, huge thank you to all of you out there supporting us via the Patreon. It really, really does help. Uh, it all goes back into the running and funding of this show uh, and all that sort of stuff, and it really, really is appreciated. It's, it's one of those things where it's one less thing to think about about that makes any sense and of course all those of you who are using our amazon links a huge thank you to you as well um now just as we were taking a relief break uh i went into apple news which just seems to be my go-to thing now on a, a quite regular basis and there's a an article here from bgr I'll try and put it into the show notes in a second. The iPhone 8 is so much faster than android that even geekbench creator can't believe it uh yep uh, it's they're saying here that um, with Apple's new flagship iPhone models running 50% faster than top-of-the-line Android handsets in some tests, Primate Labs founder John Paul can't help but wonder why we're not we're only seeing huge performance uh, emanating from Apple. From the man himself, the only thing I don't understand is why performance seems to stagnate on the Android said Paul. On Android, let's try that again. On the Android side, Paul said in an interview with Tom's Guide, where well, you don't see these big leaps forward, I don't understand what's happening here. At this point, you've got desktop class performance in a handset. There's no other w- way of looking at it. I wouldn't have thought I could use my first generation iPhone to edit video. I would have thought you were crazy. Uh, and he's right. He's absolutely right because Qualcomm seem to be the people... Um, it, well, it does blow me away that, again, Apple 
have haven't really been that long in the space of designing chips, and then all of a sudden they're coming out the gate, and it's yeah, it's blinking impressive. So we'll have that one in the show notes. Uh, I must admit, I've I've done some very basic testing, and even the seven blows me away. Uh, right, Simon, you wanted to come back in uh, with the Kext approval system giving you grief. So we've we've touched on Kext earlier on, and during the break, I've decided to go and break my Mac by using Clean My Mac to get rid of a load of stuff <laughs> on the startup. But that's caused you a bit of consternation. Uh, yes. Apple in High Sierra have added a Kext approval system, uh, and the Kext being a kernel extension. Now, um, this is a really good idea, I'll be honest, because what it means is when you install something, uh, in this case, I will refer to Malwarebytes uh, as an example. Something which needs to install a kernel extension to work correctly uh, now will bring up a warning saying that you need to go to system preferences, security and privacy, and approve the installation of said kernel extension. That's fine. That's really good. I'm really pleased that that's there because, as some people might remember, when I first had problems installing the beta of High Sierra, I found that my previous system was clogged up with an awful lot of kernel extensions, probably from things that I installed, tried, decided I didn't want or didn't need or whatever, and had disposed of, and they had left their kernel extensions behind. However, I am having a problem at the moment, and that is if I install the malware bytes, it comes to a point where it says malware bytes needs to install a kernel extension. You need to go to the security and privacy uh, pane of system preferences and approve the installation. Uh, that's fine, except I have a problem. I go to security and privacy tab and the space below uh, allow apps downloaded from the app store or app store and identified developers. There is a large space. In that space should be a thing saying Malwarebytes wishes to install a kernel extension. Do you wish to approve this? And it's not there. Um, I'm also having a problem installing VirtualBox, which I believe is probably caused by the same problem. And uh, it's basically not working. So at the moment, I'm having a great amount of difficulty installing anything which needs a kernel extension. I went into the privacy tab of security and privacy and manually added Malwarebytes as uh, an allow this app to control your computer. And momentarily, something did flash up in the general pane, but it disappeared before I could either unlock the pane or read what it said. So I have reported this to Apple, but there you go. There is, it would seem, a problem with the kernel extension uh, approval process, which until it's fixed, is going to be a bit of a pain in my backside. So there you go. Public service announcement is over. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I just had the problems with uh, Audio Hijack before we started the show, but Audio Hijack is working in Rogue Amoeba are brilliant, and I'm not just saying that. Their stuff is amazing. I've never really... VirtualBox is nice, but I've sort of never... I've never trusted it. And I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, but the amount of stuff, it just seems to drop into your system. It's just sort of... No, 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 no. no. 
doesn't. It doesn't. It does put some kernel extensions and things in. VirtualBox is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, mate. It's fabulous. It's free. It's from uh, Oracle. It uh, is a proper virtualization engine. allows you to install a whole, you know, any number of virtual machines. At work, I use it to run a Windows 10 VM. At home, I use it to run uh, a couple of different uh, Linux VMs or did when it was working. Uh, it's fabulous. Don't get me wrong. Parallels is very good, but it's what, $85, $90? Um, and its main selling point, of course, is that it can allow you to import a real PC. So, you know, that is a fabulous. Is that with Parallels or is that with VirtualBox? Because that's just piqued no, my no, interest. VirtualBox, VirtualBox doesn't have that. If you If you have a real PC, which is, you know, coming to the end of its life, say, and you want to virtualize it, you would need to pay for Parallels because that can import a genuine existing machine into a virtual machine. Yeah, I mean, so. you can do things like if you're clever, you get a Windows boot CD, you create a, a VHD or something like that. Any, that's Windows stuff, and we're a Mac show, or we try oh, to yeah. be. Or a virtual show. I'm talking here about VirtualBox. So, no, I like VirtualBox a lot, and uh, at the moment I'm a bit miffed. I can't get it to work on my High Sierra. But there we go. Uh, I'm sure I will, between Apple and uh, VirtualBox themselves, it will get sorted out, but it's somewhat annoying. Right. Uh, what else have we got? Peter, we, you've been a bit quiet. Are there any stories on the list that you want to um, have a rant about? We've got the, I mean, do you have much in the way of Amazon stuff over at your place? Um, I have a piece of junk Amazon tablet that um, the ISP supplied uh, when I went to um, broadband from um, ADSL2. And uh, it's a piece of junk in that um, by the time you've got all the apps that they insist you have, you've got no actual space to put anything else on it. <laughs> and it's a rather elderly version of, um, I think it may even predate, um, oh. The Fire HD? Oh, no, it's well before, well before that. I mean, it's just a absolute piece of junk. Um, well, it's not, no, actually, it's not a complete piece of junk. It is nigh on bulletproof because I've bounced it around the house throwing it against walls and stuff like that in frustration, and it just keeps coming back for more and keeps working. But, I mean, it's uh, it's junk. I have to say that, that the tablet market at the moment appears to have split into two segments. There's the, there's the um, you know, there's the iPad market. And then there's the Amazon Fire market, and mm -hmm. everything else is dead, because because Amazon, no doubt, subsidised the price of their fires. I mean, you can go and buy an Amazon Fire HD seven, I think, for somewhere between thirty five and fifty pounds, I believe, and those are actually quite nice tablets. You know, it is. Uh, a forked version of Android, I know, and obviously it's aimed at delivering Amazon content to you. The, if you have Amazon Prime, of course, it's a fabulous thing because it, it, it allows you to use, uh, you know, the Amazon Prime movies, get Amazon Prime books, all sorts of things, all sorts of things. Um, and for the price, I don't think you can fault it. If you've got a really old one and it's it's not much cop, that's somewhat annoying, I'm sure. But... Um, I'm over the, the Amazon. The Amazon Fire tablets really are quite good, certainly for the money that they charge you. I mean, they're practically giving them away. 
Yeah. Uh, speaking of things forked, as a user of older PowerPC Macs, it's nice to have access to a reasonably modern web browser. Yes, it is. is. And and that is 10.4 Fox. Oh, yes. 10.4 Fox is the uh, darling of the PowerPC brigade. Yes. With good reason, I have to say. Hmm. Although the developer says he's having a bit of strife with the latest versions of Firefox, not playing too too nicely for him. He generally gets around it, though. Yeah. Yes, that's a a very good recommendation, I think, for anybody who is using um, an older machine running on on PowerPC. allegedly, Allegedly, they say that the version for the G3 will apparently work under Snow Leopard. Well, yeah, we just had a few technical issues, so this is going to be one of my lovely, lovely edits. I, I, like I said, I'm always a big fan of old hardware being used. It's probably why I've still got my MacBook, as I said at the start of the show. Uh, what else can? What else we got on the list here? What I tell you, what, what story do you want to go through then, Simon? Well, you all know that I am a big fan of True Wireless, and you all know that the Qi charging. Pleased as I am to see it come to the uh, iPhones and no doubt more Apple Kit in time, it's not really wireless, is it? It's induction charging. You have to put your phone on the top of the charging mat. And by the way, uh, Adam from the MacCast has been complaining that the charging solution that he has is not at all reliable because that um, if he lays his phone on top of his charging mat, if it receives an alert and vibrates, it moves fractionally on the on the uh, on the charging mat, and that breaks the charging connection. Now, some people have replied to him saying that there are uh, that, that that's not happening for them, and that perhaps he's not a particularly good quality charging mat. But it is a problem. However, you know what I want is real over the air Nikolai Tesla charging, and. We have talked in the past that there are people working on this, and uh, this story from the Mac Observer points out a company called Pi plans to make iPhones wireless charging truly contactless. Um, At the moment, I forget the exact range. It's very short, very, very short. Um, But if they could manage, it uses beamforming technology, and the idea is that by... uh, Using a special beamforming algorithm, eliminating the need for a charge pad. The charger cone uses a beamforming system to target every compatible device in range. And the idea is you can set your phone anywhere on the table near the charging cone and it will recharge. Uh, the company said that they are planning on shipping this contactless charger sometime 2018 and it will be under 200 US dollars. Um, I'm just trying to find here when they mention the actual. Uh, I was just trying to find here when they mention the exact distance. Uh, yeah, about 12 inches at the moment. Mm. So rather than the pad, you have the cone. There's the photograph here. They've got the charging cone in the middle of the table, and the people are all sitting around with their devices lying, you know, within a foot of the of the cone. So that's a step in the right direction. It really is. Uh, I can imagine. In time, and I've said this before, in time, when this technology gets good enough, it's going to be 
you know, you're going to build it into the base of your iMac, aren't you? So that your keyboard and your mouse at the very least keep charged up just by being near the Mac. Um, you could get that up to three or four foot. Then I think we're starting to talk and you're going to tell me that I will glow in the dark and I don't care, Mark. I really don't. That will uh, save me on turning on the bedside light. If, if I can't see it, Give I don't me. trust it. I don't trust <laughs> it. I, I, it. It has shenanigans written all over it. Shenanigans, I tell you. <laughs> well, there you go. It's coming. The future is coming, and I can't wait. Bring me my over-the-air power technology. So there we go. <laughs> That's that one. Right, there we are. And... Well, I'll tell you what, do you want to round things off? Uh, what's this one here? Let's have a look. Post-Market OS, an ultimate oh. Linux distro. Yeah, th- this has this has you wrecking phones all over the place. So, uh, yeah, we can get an OS for our phones. It Wasn't that supposed to be... Um, oh, Peter's just put in, reminds me, he must move his, his old Nokia from his charger. Um, yeah. Postmarket OS is an Apple Alpine-based Linux distro, lightweight, uh, and it's aiming to bring a 10-year life cycle to smartphones. Oh, I wonder what this is going to work on. Yeah, you found... How did you stumble across this one then, Simon? Um, I think I, I think it popped up in the Apple News feed, which, like you, has become one of my prime sources of finding both information and stories. Uh, at the Apple News aggregator is brilliant, I have to say. Um This post-market OS is, as it says, based on the Alpine Linux distro, which I'm not familiar with, I have to say, Um, and it's being developed by Oliver Smith, and it intends not to restrict users to one interface, and thus it can uh, use a variety of interfaces such as GNOME, XFCE, KDE, and so on. Um, The idea is, and by the way, don't think that this is something that's out now. It really is the very start of the development cycle. His idea is that if he can develop uh, a true Linux OS, which could be installed by users onto older handsets, he would be able to extend the life of old smartphones considerably. And well, I think it's a combination of because he's geeky enough to want to do it and because if it was to become a thing in time, there would be, I suspect, segments of the market who would be very glad to have such a thing. Uh, At the moment, they admit that it is their definition of working is very limited. Uh, There's a picture on the site, and I also also put the link (coughs) in to the post-market to the past post market OS blog, which uh, if you want to get involved in such things, you can get in touch with them. Uh, it's just a very, very interesting concept sort of thing that, that fascinates me. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a coder. I don't know enough about the under the hood stuff to get involved in this sort of things, but I, I think it's admirable. I could imagine, uh, and I don't want this to sound condescending, but there are parts of the world where, you know, a thousand dollars for a smartphone is not only out of reach, it would seem obscene. Um, and the ability for such people to get hold of perhaps older hardware and yet still have it running by installing a post market um, operating system 
could be a boom. So I just found it an interesting story, and I'll put the links in the show notes. There we go. That's very much a start of the road for this project. The well, in in good news, the uh, on something completely different. The chair that was squeaking and causing me all the podcast editing has now literally just collapsed from underneath me. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, we, we need to start wrapping up because it's it's yeah, it's just gonna be one of those days. Otherwise, um, Peter, any final stories from your end? Anything that you've uh, any stories to share um tell us in fact we we've mentioned that your part you run a bit of a mug what's that like what is it you sort of get up to on the mugs just to round off the show well my responsibility at the monthly meeting apart from um i have a i start the day at um what is it nine o'clock with a a um an internet related special interest group for 50 minutes and i Finish the day with a, a another fifty minute session um, related to the use of multimedia on mobile devices, and in between I could be doing anything like manning the um, raffle sales desk or um, doing questions or handling a one on one session with a member with a problem, and that's a service we offer as long as you're um, financial members. Yeah, and. Uh- we did mention this, uh, and you spoke to me about this, Peter. You said that you only keep um, Apple Macintoshes, which work. But that's, that's not correct. strictly true, is it? That is not strictly true because you have told me uh, um, before well, show, some of them no that longer you, have, have, you um, have one or two. No, you told me you have one or two yeah, which don't work no but longer, have been converted. No longer in- computers. But, no, that is true. They're not computers, but you have converted them, haven't you, into other useful objects. Uh, do you yes, like to tell I, us about that? Well, I hollowed out an old Apple 14-inch um, um, monitor, basically took all the guts of it out and stood it up on its stand vertically to be a rubbish bin. Then after I did that, I discovered that my shredder fits perfectly across the hole. So I've got a high-capacity bin for my shredder. <laughs> Very good. And uh, you, know you also said you... My coffee table is a G5, or was, started life as a uh, dual 1.8 processor uh, G5 Power Mac, but the power supply and a few other things died on it and wasn't worth fixing. So I gutted it, and that's just left a few shelves. And the hatch on the side of it, I've taken that out and uh, removed the um, seal and stuff like that around it. And with double-sided mounting tape, I have attached it to the handles, and it's now my coffee table in the lounge room. Very nice. I have seen I, other I, people who desecrate them by using them as mailboxes. Oh, yeah. Oh, why? Why? Oh, no. Well, why no. not? If it's dead, why not, Mark? An, uh, an aluminium, uh, you know, the aluminium G5. And I've also seen this done previously as well with the, with the plastic, uh, the polycarbonate ones. Yeah, people have gutted them, mounted them on a post, and used them as a post box. Why not? Uh, particularly with the G4 ones, because the door on that was on a hinge, wasn't it? it didn't come off completely. So if you gutted it, you could simply use it as a as a mailbox. Very. You know, I do have being a. Uh, I have a in one of my bedrooms. I have a mirrored drive doors, um, dual pro, dual processor G4, but uh, it's got a pair of 1.25. 
processes in it and two gig of RAM, which is the most it can take. And that thing's that's got um, I'm using all four hard drive bays, so I can boot it into from Tiger or from Leopard. And when I'm booted from Tiger, it can look at the Panther hard drive that's in it and uh, operating classic. And the uh, fourth one is a 400 gig um, that's used as an onboard time machine drive. There we go. Excellent. I did once hatch a plan. I did once hatch a plan to build a coffee table, uh, which I thought would be quite cool to build a coffee, coffee table out of four compact Macs, probably SEs or SE30s. Um, and then to have the cases of uh, some of the old pizza box LCs to make the top. But it never came to pass, partly because I couldn't get hold of the parts and also partly because my partner at the time said if I even contemplated such a thing, she would never speak to me again. And there you go. And that's a bad thing? <laughs> well, it's not a bad thing now because she left me. But that was many years ago. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> well. I think we've probably covered most things, haven't we? Uh, did we talk about the flu pandemic? Did we talk about the flu pandemic or not? Not a lot. Only mentioned no. it. Um, the, the BBC News has a uh, help to model a flu pandemic app, which you can download to your iPhone, and it will. It, it's designed to anonymously track your basic movements. Not, uh, I think they say that they randomise them within a within a one kilometer square so that they don't know exactly where you are but the idea is to track the movement of people and at the end you will answer a questionnaire about who you interacted with and they're going to use this anonymized data uh, as big data to try and model the outbreak of a flu pandemic uh, partly because the uh, the flu season in Australia is coming to an end and they've had a rough time this year and health authorities in this country believe that it means we will probably have a rough flu season this year ourselves. So there you go. And if you want to join in with that and help uh, cutting-edge science model uh, an outbreak of flu as a pandemic, go to the App Store, download the uh, Flu Pandemic app, and uh, join in. There you go. Blimey, we've almost been helpful twice. Uh, I, you know what? I think that's it for a show because I'm doing the editing this week uh, and yeah, I'm knackered if I'm honest. So, so thank you both very much for coming on the show. Peter, if you want to, how do people find out where you are, what you do? If you've got a website, this is the time to shill yourself. Um, we'll just leave it as at underscore Windrider on Twitter. I couldn't have, he's never actually posted, but I had to have underscore Windrider. If the Twitter account hasn't been used for a while, you can go and claim it because I did that with our Essential Apple, which is our Twitter account. So we, I, we will get we will get following each other. Simon, if they want to get a hold of you, good sir, how can they do so? Uh, well, of course, the usual way to get hold of me is on the Twitter as at Serenak. That's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Or, of course, people could ask us for an invitation to join the Slack room and join in with all our shenanigans. Yes, uh, and if last night is anything to go by, there was lots of shenanigans. And I still can't believe, chat room, I'm talking to all of you. You haven't watched Rick and Morty? Seriously? 
Ah, sometimes I despair of this world. And if you want to, you can get hold of me at Essential Apple or follow me at Ocean Speed on my personal account because I'm off to Germany tomorrow uh, and I've threatened the chat room with doing a live stream from one of the tents in Munich, which might be wishful thinking because A, my phone just likes to drain itself full of battery the second I even look at it and B, the amount of people there and the amount of cell cell coverage is pretty shocking. So I'll give it a go anyway. Uh, and, the, and the amount of beer you might have consumed. Uh, I, 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 I shouldn't have gone for it last night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. And on that note, Peter, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for joining us. And we will be back next week. Cheerio, everyone. Cheerio, everybody. Peter doesn't want to say goodbye. Never mind. Oh, yeah. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to cut and slide. Okay. Right, there Um, we are. Done. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchard, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000-foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Blimey, it's been a long time since I've pressed record on my end. Now, where's my soundboard? That's not the one. You're you're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Is that the right intro? I've forgotten now. (laughs) Classic start. Um, All right, then. Uh, We'll put this into the after show. Are we ready, chaps?